2 Corinthians in the 10th chapter. Thought that we might read the entire chapter, but I don't guess we will. We'll I guess we'll start in the 11th verse and read through the 18th. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far as to you as in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labor, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord." For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. You may be seated. Brother Paul had a lot of contentions with the church at Corinth. He had a lot to contend against. Uh, it's amazing to me at the knowledge and wisdom that God gave him that is beyond my mind of his ability to be led of God when he faced things that were obviously, obviously wrong. And then other times as he testifies in this, in this uh, uh, chapter, if you look back at the front of it and, and, and you read through some of it, you can, you can see how that he... Uh, 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 told them of his burden, of, of his work, and his desire to labor for them according to God, and and how that he declared that his weapons were not carnal, but they were spiritual, and they were powerful, and they were mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. I love what he said uh, 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 when he says here in the fifth and sixth verse. He says, "Casting down imaginations." Well, I tell you what, now that takes God. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing, this is a blessed place, I'll tell you, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Boy, I tell you what, could it, would that not be a joy to live there just continually? That every thought, every thought being brought into the obedience of Christ. My goodness gracious, 
What a mark to strive for. What a place. I'm sure my mind's reminded of the book of Hebrews where it says for us to go on unto perfection. Uh, and I know that many, many times they, they, they uh, uh, relax, if you will, because we have this treasure in an earthen vessel and that everybody sins and comes short. I, I fear many times men rest in this place when we shouldn't. But how that we ought to, uh, if you will, exercise ourselves to be made stronger in the Lord. And my goodness, what, what contentions Paul was, was facing here. And, and, and as we get down to the end of this chapter, and he's, he's getting down, if you will, to the end of the book, there's just a little bit more here. And, and, and I believe he's doing his best. I believe God is, is setting the high mark, if you will. Uh, setting the standard to what we ought to strive for. As I told you earlier uh, uh, in the service, how we'd been studying this week, how that God had charged Aaron and his sons and, and those of the Levites, how that, uh, uh, that they were to approve things that were holy and, and to disapprove of those things that were not holy. And uh, uh, what a standard that was set for the children of Israel by the word of God. And may I say this, what a standard that has been set for the children of God in the days of the New Testament by the Spirit of God. By the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. They, 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 there's a, a group here that Paul's trying to address and how that they, if you will, would compare themselves among themselves. In doing so, he, he testifies that they're not wise. Now, I want you to understand something. Our flesh is, is flesh alive. I understand we were all conceived in sin and we were all shaping in iniquity and I, I thoroughly understand how this flesh likes to justify itself. I thought of another scripture this week. Uh, the Bible says in another place, Blessed is the man that is not condemned in the things in which he alloweth. Another tremendous passage of scripture, uh, my friend. But it, as Paul's writing this to these people, uh, I, I firmly believe that God is having him to set a high standard. I don't need to compare myself among you. You don't need to compare yourself to me. I believe we ought to compare ourselves to Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in whom we are called after and named after being Christians in the days that we live, I believe He ought to be our mark. I believe He ought to be the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. That place of approval, that place of acceptance, I believe there is where we ought to strive for. Well, preacher, that's just an impossible mark. Really? Really is it? Let's think of some scriptures. That he has made us more than defeated. No, more than conquerors. He has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He has thoroughly equipped us. Listen to this. Friend, it, it is a blessed thing. I, 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 you've heard me mention this sometimes. I, I, I like a good flashlight at night. I don't like to stumble around in the dark. I, I like them, my friend, that you hit the button and it's my goodness, what a lie. Friend, God has given His children His Spirit. God has put it into our hearts to what we know, what is right and what is wrong. We, we thoroughly have a leader in this life and my friend, and it's not flesh and blood. And as Paul writes earlier in here, uh, right before uh, uh, we read on there, but he said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're not striving against flesh and blood. 
There have been sometimes I wished I could have made war with my enemy, with my hands. But that's not the way we fight this fight of faith. That's not what we contend against. We, we're fighting against spiritual wickedness in high places. Where are these high places? In the consciousness of self-approved men. The consciousness of self-approved people, my friend, who will not hear and who will not obey the Word of God. You talk about a place to contend with. And my friend, when somebody's got something that they call God, they've got something that they call salvation set up in their conscience of their mind, but there is no approval of God in their life. What happens? What happens, my friend, when somebody's what, what they call good, great, grand, and glory, it's what happens to this flesh when that gets torn down. It makes us mad. It will cause us to, if you will, rebel against that high standard. Well, no, preacher, I never would. We need to realize the evilness of this flesh. Because we'll all do it. And I include the man that's on his feet. We'll all get a little puffed up, if you will, when that that we call good, that that we call holy, just, and pure, my friend, when the power of God comes on the scene and destroys what we've called good, what we've called holy, what we've called just, my friend, when we see the power of God destroy that, we'll get a little upset. What's he trying to say? What's he trying to do? Now, preacher, that would never, that would never happen to me. Let's look at the Word of God. <clears throat> First of all, may I put myself, and I'm not afraid to or ashamed to, but may I, may I put myself right here for just a moment. I don't want to stretch myself beyond measure. I don't want to reach into your lives in places where I'm not supposed to be. I, 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 there's a portion of the gospel that has been, if you will, imparted unto me for the help of our lives, me first and foremost. So it's not a matter of that I, I want to stretch myself beyond measure, as Paul is saying here, but I want to reach to you the gospel. I want God, by the help, my friend, of His Spirit, to reach into your heart to give you that that you need. Listen, don't ever be upset because God admonishes us. Be very careful when you get mad at what God sends to your life. What if you went the rest of your days and God never came back by you and admonished you? He's left you to yourself. God said in His Word, He would send strong delusions. I don't know about you, but that makes the hair on my body stand straight out. That God, the ultimate judge, the creator of all, the supreme being, would send to a little vessel in the days of their lives in this world a strong delusion that they would believe a lie and be damned because they would not hear the word of God. Please don't be offended. I would beg you with my dying breath, don't be offended. When God would send by your heart, would send by your life, words, my friend, of improvement of the soul. God help us to hear it. He says, For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, 
as though we would reach unto you, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. I believe this. I believe that if you love somebody, you're going to tell them the truth. I know this land is filled with men who call themselves men of God. And they preach and teach according to the flesh of men. They preach and teach and exhort according to what they have called right. But as far as telling the souls of them that sit in front of them the eternal truth of God, they want to mix everything with what the world's got. They want to mix everything with tradition that they've seen and learned. But as far as being led of the Spirit of God, digging in the Word of God, asking God to send us what we need, I fear their void of it. How do you know, preacher? Because one of the weakest group of people in our land today is the visible body of the church. I tell you, friend, we need to hear the Word of God and be thankful that God would even come by where I'm at and preach to me and speak to me. Listen on. Not in boasting of things without our measure. I don't want to brag about anything. There is people, I fear many times, that, uh, that, that, that's all that's on their mind, is their religious accomplishments. Well, I've gone to church all my life. I've never done that. I would never be caught doing that. There's no boasting to be found for any of us. None whatsoever. The best thing we could say, I believe, and humbleness of heart, is thank you, God, for saving such a sinner as me. Yes. There's no place to glory in my flesh. If I stay in the fight for another week, it'll be because God's kept me in the fight. Yes. If I contend in one more battle, if I'm able to fight one more fight, it'll be because God put it in me to do it. No place for me to glory, saving the cross of Christ. Oh, listen. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors. I don't want to be, uh, if you will, I, 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 don't, I want to preach the way God would have me to preach. I struggled with this as a young preacher. My biggest trouble in my agonizing with God, my prayer ground comes back to mind, back in the garage over there where I used to live and where I asked God and wrestled with God for years about preaching. I had my question to Him over and over, God, how in the world do I get started? And I think about other, how other men had stood and what they had said and how they had said it and none of it ever fit in my heart. I'll tell you, my friend, we are to preach as God would have us preach. You've got to sing as God would have you sing. You've got to teach as God would have you teach. And my friend, you must testify as God would have you testify. You don't need to sing like this one or testify like that one. I don't need to preach like David. David don't need to preach like me. And my friend, we need to minister as God has given us the ability that God would get to glory and not the tradition of men. Listen on. He says, But having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according 
to our rule abundantly. According to our measure. According to what we were trying to accomplish by the help of God. Let me tell you something, friend. What a joy it is when you see the Word of God bud and bloom in somebody's life that you know God has put in there. What are you talking about, preacher? They've been hearts and lives. I know that God has sent messages to me and through me to other lives to get them to move closer to God. And my friend, understand this. Not many times, I fear in the day that I live, not many times is the gospel obeyed. But when it is, but when it is, and you know that God sent it, and you know God was working, and you know God accomplished it, it is a great enlargement to my friend, to the praise and glory of God. Now, will I glory in God whether I see any results or not? May God allow me to. Because this is a journey of faith. But I tell you, my friend, when you can see the manifestation of the Word of God by the power of God in hearts and lives, it's a tremendous enlargement to the house of God. Your testimony is not just about you. Can I say that again and could we hear it? Your testimony is just not about you. But our testimony is about the one that we're testifying about. And it's not these mounds of clay. But it's what the great potter put in it. Heaven help me. Listen on. He says to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. Now, you may read that and God may speak to you in another way, but understand something. I promise you that I, I will not pastor this church forever. Should God carry His time, Wayne, there's going to be somebody else standing in this place. And, he, and I pray that it's a man that loves the, the power of God and the salvation. But this race that we're running, this journey that we're on, the best way that I can paint a picture in your mind, if God will be my helper about the verse that I just read you, it's much like a relay race. My friend, those men might be uh, one faster than the other. How many times they'll put their slowest man up front and their fastest man is the anchor. But regardless, my friend, the very most important thing is that that baton that that first runner started running with, he's got to firmly place it in the second man's hand. And my friend, and when that man runs his portion, he's got to place that baton in the next man's hand. They can all run most magnificently and get the greatest applause of the whole Coliseum. But unless the baton crosses the line, their efforts are in vain. I believe that's what Paul is saying right here. Let me ask you something. Just a little thought. What are you passing on? But let us run. He says, to preach the gospel, let me read it again, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. What are you saying? There was another man running when I came here. And I'm not going to boast in Paul's labor. And whoever God puts in here after me, I don't want him boasting in my life. But my friend, as God would, would unction us, as God would spur us on, 
I believe we can be workers together for the cause of Christ and ultimately see the kingdom of God furthered in our land. What are you passing on? Listen on. He says, but he that glorieth, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. In all honesty of your heart, with a sharpened pencil and a blank page, have you gloried in the Lord? Have you gloried in what God has done? Have we gloried in what God has accomplished? Friend, we, as we said earlier, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Can you see God? Have you, are you able to acknowledge in your thoughts and in your consciousness? Are you able to recognize what God is doing in your heart and in your life for the kingdom of God? And can we glory in it? Well, if that which is good, if that which is holy, and if that which is precious, and it's received those names, by our speaking, they're not a lot of glory of God in it, are they? But a lot of glorying in self and self-justification. I have not done that, and I just don't believe. Listen to me very closely. <laughs> Listen to me very closely. Just because you don't believe it, like this one believes it, or you be listen to listen to me close. Let your doctrine be uncorruptible. That's the book. Your doctrine ought not to be corruptible, but it needs to be solid and sound. And you don't need to receive it of the tradition of men, but you need to receive it by the power of God. And it'll stand, and you'll be able to glorify God in it. And you won't have to worry whether somebody else approves it or somebody else disapproves it. Why? Because it will be holy. It will be just and it will be good. Because God says it is. Not because I say it is. Not because David says it is. Not because Lord. Not because of anybody that's in the house. It will be because of what God says. But when we get our good called not so good, when we get our holy called unholy, we get upset. No, preacher, I don't. Oh, yes, we do. Listen to the Bible. For not he that commendeth himself is approved. Wow. For he that commendeth himself is not approved. But whom the Lord commendeth. I can promise you this. If God says amen, we better say amen. But what if it's calling my holy unholy? Don't let it bother you. Be thankful that God would admonish you. Look with me, if you will, in the book of Acts. Here's a couple men who went into a place and they're preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. And I want you to look who got mad. Acts chapter 17. God be our helper. The first few verses gives you a geographical account of where these men are at. Next few verses gives us a little account of what Paul's read over here in Corinthians. But let's, let's look at the word. 
I love the second verse. And Paul, as his manner was, this man loved the house of God, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Not his opinion, not what he thought, not what they were saying, but out of the Word of God. I love that. Out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Now what happened? And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. My goodness gracious, there's some people here in the gospel, they're believing it. But then what happened? But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the basal sword, and gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar. You know, that's exactly what happens to this flesh when our holy gets called unholy. You know what we, what we do in our minds? We'll think, well, I'll think about this one over here and he likes me. Or I'll think about this one over here and he approves of me. He knows I'm all right. When we ought to just stop and say, wait just a minute. This is the Word of God and it's knocking on my door. And we ought to recognize that it doesn't matter whether this and approves of you or that and disapproves of you or that and accepts you or that and rejects you. What does God say? Amen. Has God approved it or disapproved it? But my friend, when they got disapproved, when they got rejected, when they didn't believe it that way, envy rose up in their heart. That's the nature of my flesh and yours alike. Envy will rise up in us. And we'll get angry. We'll get plump temperamental. We'll say in our stubbornness, this is the way it is. You don't have to beat your hand. You don't have to raise your voice. I understand the passion of a point. He called us to preach the gospel. But our anger doesn't change the word of God. Our envy, our pushing our opinion, our pushing of our beliefs, our pushing of our position, don't change the Word of God. But know this, envy's in every one of our mounds of flesh. You can start with this fellow right here. I'm pointing to me, my friend. You can start with this one right here. It's in us and it'll rise up. We ought to just stop and be thankful that God, not man, not this world, not religious rhetoric, but that God would come by and say, really, you call that holy? Well, where's its fruit? Where's the fruit of holiness in it? Where's the displaying of my righteousness in it when all you can see is death and destruction and division and envy and strife? They went and got them certain lewd fellows. I'll talk to this one and he'll see it my way. I'll get this one to agree with us and we, next thing you know, you got everybody all tore up. And it's confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. 
It would just be better if we just individually received the Holy Word of God by faith and let it move our life. God will take care of it. Let me read to you another place. Over here, if we can find it right quick, like I thought I had it marked. I do have, thank you, Lord. Here is a place where two men brought a sacrifice. And one was accepted and one was rejected. <coughs> now listen to this account. You know it well. You can tell where I'm turned to by just looking at my book. Surely you know who I'm about to read about. Cain and Abel. Listen to what the Bible says about these two men. And Adam knew his wife. She conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she bare again his brother Abel. And Abel was the keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a killer of the ground. Now notice what the older one's job was and notice what the younger one's job was. Let's read this again. Let's be spiritually minded. Let's understand what God, not Mike Freeman, not Wednesday night preaching, but what God is saying to us. Adam knew Eve and his, his wife. She conceived and bare came and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she bare, and, and, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Let's stop right there for just a minute. Now who is the tiller of the ground, and who is a keeper of sheep? What was it that Christ said to Peter? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. And he, and he said this to him, my friend, when he was asking him, Do you love me? But Cain was a tiller of the ground. I can promise you, my firstborn, which you see in the flesh walking before you, he loves to plow the flesh. He loves to see it sown and it grown. But my inward man, I must confess. There's an unspeakable joy and full of glory about feeding sheep and keeping sheep. Well, preacher, that's for preachers. Oh, dear friend, dear child of God, dear one that knows the Holy Ghost of heaven, you too can watch over the sheep. But let us run and what the Bible says. And in process of time, mercy I see, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what's bad? You know what's really bad? Is that some of us sitting here have heard the report that our countenance is falling. This second born brought a blood sacrifice. Something had to die. He didn't bring his sick. He didn't bring his lame. He brought the very best that God had given him. 
He knew where it come from. And my friend, the blood had to be spilled. Because, my friend, the sin payment has to be a blood sacrifice. But Cain brought the work of his hands. And Abel was accepted and Cain was rejected. Being a born again child of God, can you identify with your second man being accepted and your first man being rejected? Amen, oh me. And let me tell you what happens to this outside man when he gets rejected. He gets puffed up. He gets his feelings hurt and he'll pout. It's ugly. This man was moved with so much envy. What did he do? He killed his brother. So we see at the first service outside of the garden outside of Adam and Eve, that only half of them that were there worshipped God. And the other half was worshipping self. I tell you, friend, I don't want your approval, but I must have God's. I don't want you to desire my approval, but I want you to desire God's. You can't get it on your own. Your flesh will never accomplish it. You can wear out them doors. You can wear out the pews. You can sing every song to the jot and tittle. My friend, you can do all the works of religion all you want and think you know this and you think you know that and you think you listen to me close. The Word of God must move us. If it don't, if it don't, you may be in a strong delusion. And hell patiently waiting on you. And don't be mad. Don't be afraid. Don't be upset. Be thankful that God would come by and examine us and let us know of where we really are with Him. Now did God tell Cain to go kill his brother? Notice what God told Cain. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? It reminds me of what God said to Jonah. Doest thou well to be angry? Because things maybe don't go the way we think they ought to go. Because it didn't unfold like we thought it ought to unfold. God. I don't know how you might take this, and I have no way. I just, I'm here to preach the gospel. God has required me to believe that book different than I was raised. You hear me? God has required me to believe this book much different than the way I was raised. And I'm glad. I'm not ashamed. Too much fear and trembling. I've had to dig it out. I don't want to be like David. I, I, excuse me. I, I, I don't want to be like put in the position that David was when he was armed with Saul's armor. I've seen men try to go to war in the armor of others. And they make a mockery out of the work of God. And they don't want to recognize it, but they fell on their face on the battlefield. 
I want to be a brave and valiant soldier. And if I got to go by the brook in a low place and find me some smooth stones to go into a sword fight with, then so be it. But I must go with the blessings of God. I don't want to go with the blessings of mankind. I don't seek the approval of flesh and blood. But I know this. I do know this. There have been times that God admonished me. That God required of me to move in obedience to the Word of God. And did my flesh want to at first? No, it did not. No, it did not. And did I? No, I did not. But thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. By His mercies, He come by again. And wooed to me one more time. And by His grace, He allowed me to come. God is telling Cain, why are you wroth? Why are you angry? Would you, would you rather that God just left you to yourself and let you go to hell? Why would you be angry? God's trying to save you from yourself. Yes. This country needs to be saved from itself. I know lives that are in the house of God right now. And I pray that God will save them from themselves. Why? Because they're a tiller of the ground. Oh, they're so concerned with how people perceive them. They've got to be the prettiest. They've got to be the richest. They've got to be the best. They've got to know what to say and exactly how to say it. Dear friend, God chose the foolishness of preaching to save people. Not eloquency of speech. Not the macho-ness of our flesh. But God said to this man, will I look him that is of a broken, a broken and a contract spirit. That's who God's looking for. My goodness gracious. Why would we get mad when God's just trying to save us? Listen on. Why art thou wrong? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, if thou doest well, thou shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, here's the problem. Sin lieth at the door. Now where's the door to your life? Right down in here. How do you know that's the door? Because the Bible says that Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open unto me, I'll come in and sup with him and him with me. Sin lies there. Did you, were you reminded of 2 Thessalonians where that Antichrist sits upon the throne of God and he exalts himself above everything that's called God? He calls himself God? We got a world like that today. They've got a God that they call God and they call Christ and He's sitting right here but there is no fruit. There is no acceptance of God. There is no approval of the power of God in their lives. But they keep commending themselves. They keep commending what they've done. They keep commending what they say they believe and they received it all of mankind and they didn't receive it of God. They weren't moved by faith. It was traditions of their fathers. 
And then when their good gets called not so good, we get mad. My God, He's trying to save us. Trying to turn us for it's everlasting too late. But no, we're okay. I tell you, I fear in our land today, there are a lot of strong delusions. And people would rather believe a lie and be damned than to stop for just a moment and listen to God. And when God puts something in their heart, my friend, they cannot help but that it begins to turn and churn in their hearts, their minds, their bodies, and their soul. And the next thing you know, they're standing in the congregation of the righteous and they're giving God some glory. Why? Because of what God has done in them. But when there is no glory given, when there is no witness of His Spirit in their lives, when there is no evidence of the working of God in their souls, except for what they have done, we go back to the Scripture where we started tonight. And it says, For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. I tell you, friend, when God says amen to your life, it doesn't matter whether anybody else says amen or not. When God says amen, my friend, and sets you free, you're free indeed. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been the only one in the room that loved Jesus? Have you been in a den of devils? And you and maybe just one or two more was the only one standing up for God? I can't help myself. The truth will escape me. I'll find myself and I know that I'm hated many times, but I can't help it. Let him hate on. He's done too much for me. Because I have not followed the cunning of his fable of mankind. I know who called me. No glory to me. I know who washed me. No glory to me. I know who has kept me. No glory to me. I know who called me to preach. I know who has filled my mouth. I know who has strengthened, established, and set me. I've not arrived by no means of the measure. There's more in here I need to learn. I love digging after it. Look forward to it every time I can. In fact, I need to know 10,000 times more than I know. Because I promise you, dear friend, this is far deeper than all of our minds could ever imagine. This is far deeper. And we have just got to peer through the lattice from time to time. We just barely look through the glass darkly to get a glimpse of this and of that. And it's amazing to me I'll say this, and if God will let me, I'll stop and I'll close. But this is what's so amazing to me. Is that we'll take what we received of our fathers. And we'll take thoughts that we have stacked up in our conscience over the span of 50 years. And it'll get more credit. It'll get more honor. It'll get more recognition than the Word of God. That ought not be. I fear I live to see the day that men are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge 
of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine for just a moment, if you want to do a deep meditation and a long, exhaustive study, can you imagine what Saul of Tarsus had to forget and count as dumb that he may win Christ? What he had to let go of! What he had to say was, was dead unto him that he might win Christ. That he might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. But we'll take a little thought of what we did there and what we did there and what I know that I've seen for 30 years. No, don't matter. This is an eternity past to an eternity future. One of the greatest revelations, if you will, that I know God done for my soul is when He saved me, listen to me, I don't know how you may like this, it ain't a license to sin, but when He saved me, He forgave me of my sins from eternity past to the present to eternity future. And that will cause you to glorify God. Because you didn't do it yourself. And you haven't paid for any of your sins. Some people like to glory in their sufferings. Well, I've been through so much. Let me tell you. Now this might, this might hurt some feelings. And that's not our intentions. But I can tell you what we all can do with our sufferings. Cram them in a poke and bury them. Richard, I shouldn't, you shouldn't say such a thing. Our flesh loves pity. They know what I've had to go through. That's not what's important. My friend, what ought to be the most precious thing in our lives is that God would commend us. That God would say, that's mine. That's the most precious thing in life. But when our good gets called evil, when our holy gets exalted to be unholy, our flesh gets puffed up. And what's so bad is when lives stay right there, the next thing you know, they're in a strong delusion. And they will not hear. They will not respond. They cannot give God glory. And they're just going merrily, merrily down the stream of time. Hell's patient. It's waiting on you. Well, that's not true, preacher. Everybody's going home to be with the Lord one day. Dear friend, if there was five wise and five foolish, if one was accepted and one was rejected, if there was two out of a million Went into the Holy Land. I promise you it was above 680,000. Two went into the Holy Land. And you're going to tell me today that even in our most tight-knit societies that everybody's going, dear friend, you're in a strong delusion. I would beg you with a sharpened pencil and a blank piece of paper, take an inventory. What are you passing on? What are you passing on? I love you. 
Don't be upset when you get admonished from the gospel. But be thankful that God would tell us all the truth. Because without it, that's none of us make the gate. None of us would know the liberty of His Spirit. None of us would know the comforter that is so blessed in this journey. Thank God for His help tonight. Thank Him for His word. We'll rest from our seats.